What's up, Therapy Thursday? Y'all come on in, come on in, tap in, share this with someone, let them know we're about to go in. It's Therapy Thursday. I'm excited and grateful in my heart that you have committed in your heart to be better. You are here voluntary. You're here because you've, you, you really want to be here. You're here because you want to be the best version of yourselves. And both Flowers and I are extremely grateful. If this is your very first time streaming with us on our Therapy Thursdays, let us know. And everybody else, all of my cousins, do me a favor and let's bless and speak life over those people who this is their first time. We are a loving community and we're excited about what God is doing. I'm excited about today's lesson or today's session, rather. This isn't a lesson. This is a session. I'm excited about um, what we want to talk about and what we dialogue about on today will kind of conclude um, the last few sessions in which it was kind of centered around love um, what we think about love, how we fall, all those, all those different things. And today, um, we're going to conclude that to some degree. And so I want to pray with you. And I just want to dive into our, our session. Can I do that? Can I do that? Are y'all ready? Type, I'm ready. Type, I'm ready. Type, I'm ready. The devil is big mad. The devil didn't want you to be here today. The devil wanted you to um, say, I'll get it next time. I'll catch it on a replay. You need this time. It's foreordained for you. Lord, we thank you for this moment. I decrease that you may increase. I take a step back that you might make your presence manifest so that when your children look this way, they don't see me, they recognize you. So Lord, govern my tongue, my speech, my thoughts, that I share what you declare and what you give me the words to speak. So God, I thank you in advance for the healing, the transformation, the breakthrough. I I thank you in advance for what you're doing. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 So today, I want to talk to you around the subject. Um, I'm not in love with you anymore. Or for others... We fell out of love. Hmm. This is important. You're probably saying, yeah, why are we talking about like, you know, love or or in love or like this has nothing to do with Therapy Thursday. It has everything to do with Therapy Thursday. Let me tell you why. The adventures of falling in and out of love is in large part due not to passion, but to patterns of behavior. And those patterns of behavior almost always point back to your past and your childhood. I'm going to say it again. This is what I have discovered, what I have observed in my life when it comes to couples married and seriously dating 
those who um, are getting a divorce, those who experience relational breakdown. Here is a truth. The adventures of falling in, not just in love, but out of love, is not necessarily due to the lack of passion, but it often points to the presence of patterns of behavior that point to our past and even our childhood. Here is another truth. Culture sold kingdom. Culture sold the believer a product. And that product says, get married, have children, live happily ever after. And then many believers, a great number of us, we, we're chasing that product. We're chasing that belief. And then we do exactly what culture teaches us. Get married, have children. And, and we're, we're going to live happily ever after only for the honeymoon to be over. Everybody go home. And now you're sitting, looking at yourself in the mirror, wondering why is it love is fading? Or why is it I no longer feel the way that I used to feel about him? Or why is it that now uh, he's looking other places to satisfy, you know, his, his appetites? Why is it? It's not always due to the lack of passion. It's not always due to um, the fact that I just, I just, I just fell out. No, it's usually pointing to behaviors. And I want to talk about three dominant behaviors that I've witnessed, that I've experienced, that I have even gone through myself, right? And why this impacts many of our ability to actually remain happy. Because I was taught by culture and by others that to remain married, to remain happy, that's supposed to be automatic. It's supposed to just happen. Falling in love is usually incidental, accidental, and not intended. But remaining in love, I wish I had an elder, a colleague, people in my environment to tell me, if you're going to remain happy, if you're going to remain happily married, it's a choice. Hmm. But all I saw was fight or flight. And usually it was the flight, meaning if we have a couple of different arguments or if you upset me or if things just seem like they're no longer working out, I just leave. Somebody type pattern. It's a good chance that some of the relational breakdown that you've experienced outside of abuse, outside of just infidelity that you've experienced, outside of the various forms of abuse, for the rest of us, I can confidently say 
it's a good probability that you weren't taught what it takes to remain. And so you replicate patterns. I was never really taught that. We get married, have the honeymoon. Everybody goes home looking in the mirror. And now I'm, I don't know how to stay in love. Like, how do you stay in love? Like, when when people say hard work, marriage is hard work. What does that mean? Because I don't want to force anybody. And if, and, and you don't, we don't know how to deal with conflict. And so as soon as we have the conflict, then a lot of other things follow. So there's three things. There's three things I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you this up front. And then I want us to take a few minutes to kind of unravel it, right? There's three reasons, dominant reasons, that we often fall out of love outside of abuse and outside of infidelity, let's assume we're not talking about those things, right? Let's assume that's understood. But outside of that, a lot of us have walked away from what could have been repaired and worked through. But because I never saw the blueprint, I never saw the example, then My understanding is that when we disagree often, or if we disagree, then that means we're not compatible. Or or because I don't feel like I'm like like I used to feel I, I went through a season where I don't feel like I felt on my honeymoon day. And so now since I don't feel like that, then I, I'm I'm afraid. Let me help you. There are three things. There are three things. Write this down. Type this, type this, type this. Outside of infidelity and abuse, three reasons we fall out of love. I'm talking to kingdom. I'm talking to kingdom today. Three reasons. Number one, trauma bonding. We fall out of love because of our bonding was primarily based around trauma. A second reason, disconnection. A lot of your bad habits are because no one taught you how to intentionally remain connected to someone else. You've never seen a long connection in your life or the connections that you did see They were toxic. So essentially, you don't know what it means to remain connected to your partner. I can just talk to myself. And the third reason is codependent behavior, a term that I did not discover until just a few years ago before I released my first book, No Regrets, How to um, How to Foolproof Your Dating Life. Codependent behavior disconnection and trauma bonding are three of the leading causes of our relational breakdown outside of the other things. And so I want to unpack that for the believer when it comes to two people who are joining together. I sit down and I counsel and I look across and I talk to people. Trust me when I tell you this. A large portion of us are 
dating and even married to someone with whom you have been in covenant and were attracted largely to their trauma. And trauma bonding is when two individuals, their attachment styles are not necessarily the same, right? It can be an avoidant, it can be a fearful, it can be an anxious, anxious. Like there's two attachment styles that come together, right? And trauma fuels the attraction. And if you're not careful, you'll be labeling something love when that's really trauma dressing up as passion. And when you, when two people get together, someone who is avoidant and someone who is anxious, then every time we get into conflict, the one who is anxious is always running after the other person because she or he believes that if they leave out of the door, they'll never come back. And they, and they don't want conflict because if they have conflict then they believe that the other person is not going to want them. So they're always living their life, you know, in anxiety. Right. But then the avoidant person is so used to being on his or her own that what happens is we just avoid. And if we enter into too much conflict, we will leave. So we will flee before we fight. But what happens, that's just one example, but what happens in trauma bonding is two people fall in love with what is on the surface and ignore the trauma that is underlying beneath. So we express our love, express, we move quickly, we marry fast, and then divorce even faster. Why? Because what attracted us also depleted us. What ends up happening is we are attracted to the trauma. Our conversation, oh, we got so much in common. Do you really have a lot in common? Or is it that you all have similar experiences that draw you together? And what you don't realize is the gasoline in the vehicle of your relationship is being fueled by what you experienced in your past. Not common goals, not common mission, not common desires, not the kingdom, right? And so then what ends up happening, conflict will always reveal what is underneath. And for some of us, we're so attracted to the trauma that we don't allow ourselves to experience conflict. And so we think because we have not experienced conflict, it's really just your manipulative way of avoiding because you say it's not that bad. Somebody type, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. It's not that bad. And so you convince yourself that it's not that bad and you don't even realize what you are replicating is just patterns of behavior that you saw because you think that relationships require you to be manipulative. You think that relationships require you to overlook their their their, their wrong or their bad or their the red flags and just and just say it's not that bad. Trauma bonding is undefeated. You can get married and ignore that every time you fight, it's a bloodbath because you don't fight fair. One or both of you come from environments where anything goes when you fight. But you say, I'm supposed to be forgiving because I'm a believer. We fell out of love. It's partially probably because you were never taught how to remain in love. 
Because for you and for me, love is remaining in love. Like, what do you mean? The goal is to fall in love. I don't, no one ever told me that you're supposed to work at remaining in love. And it is a decision, a constant decision in which you choose the other person every day. You choose empathy. You choose kindness. You choose to show up. You choose to make your interest their interest. Or you, or rather, you choose to become interested in what interests them. And that requires empathy and selflessness. Because, but, but here's the thing. If you come from an environment and a culture in a home where it's taboo to actually take up an interest that you really never even had a desire for because you want to connect with the other person, Oh, that's that's being weak. That is doing. If you love someone and you want to remain in love, you have to understand that the first thing that will always leave in any covenant is connection. Somebody type connection. Connection is the very first thing that will leave. When we're no longer in love. But again, my issue is that nobody taught me that. And so I have a mindset and a pattern of behavior that compromises my relationships because I didn't know that this is what it takes. And so I need to unlearn some things. Somebody type unlearn that. So. Trauma bonding sabotages relationships because I told myself that it's not really that bad. She's really she's she's really into me. And sometimes she just is overwhelmed at work. And that's why she just, you know, responds the way she responds when she gets upset, you know, and she just lets me know. And, you know, she, she you know, she had a hard upbringing. And so I make all the excuses for her only until I get to a certain point in the marriage that I say I can't do this anymore. Trauma bonding is when you fall in love with the trauma and not the person. And the second thing is disconnection. The very first thing that will always leave any relationship is the lack of connection. And this is where, you know, like it really, it really matters to me because losing connection with someone else is not always because they changed. It's because I, it's often because I wasn't taught how to remain connected to something for a long period of time. And if you never test or challenge or prove that theory, then you will enter into a covenant and place the entire responsibility on how she dresses, 
on if she still entices you and if she doesn't gain any weight and if she chases after you and if she does all the tricks that you want her to do in your mind and in your imagination in the bedroom and now that you're married you you expect all of these things and when you don't get them then you use that as an excuse to disconnect why because no one ever told you that in order to remain connected it's going to require selflessness and a decision. What do I mean? Entering into a relationship and being in love with someone is great. But at some point, the honeymoon is going to be over and you're going to see blemishes, right? You're going to see, especially in marriage, probably the worst parts of the other person. And if you have the made yourself delusional as in to believe that you're that there's like it's only supposed to look one way, you're going to use that as an excuse to cheat or to dis you know to disconnect or to not be interested in what he's interested in. Because you've seen some flaws, not not always red flags. We all have things that we need to work on. You have to make a decision on whether or not that's too much. But here is what I'm what I'm saying is this. We enter, we're in love. And what we have not always been taught is I have to choose every single day. I choose you. I choose my partner. Every single day, I choose them. I choose them. I choose kindness, empathy. I choose to serve them. I choose to show up for them. I choose to check in on them. I choose to support them. Right? I choose to grow so that I can be the better version, a better version for them. This is important. But when I place the responsibility and the onus on the other person, it absolves me and I get to use that as a reason for why I'm no longer interested in this relationship. When in fact, it has less to do with the other person and more to do with your patterns. Somebody say, I choose, I choose, I choose. But one thing, or, or I'll say five things when it comes to disconnection. What I have observed in when people are in love, connection is the first thing to leave. And there's five reasons why connection leaves. Growing families. I need you to write this down. I'm trying to help you. When your families begin to grow, children become a part of it. Your mother, your parents, someone gets sick and they have to move in or you choose to care or just life happens. When family begins to grow, that's usually an off-ramp for connection, right? And so if no one taught you how to prioritize the marriage, the covenant with your spouse before the children, if you were not taught that, then you will make the children the main thing and your spouse becomes the back thing. Somebody say disconnection. Because the moment that I say that, many people automatically fix their mouths and say, uh, my children, my children, our children. 
because of what you were taught, because of the filter, perhaps because of the trauma, because of the experiences. Because when I say that, many people can hear your children don't matter. And that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is your spouse comes first. And I have discovered that many people find that a hurdle when two families join together and there's now a uh, two different families in the sense that two married, two families that are now mixing families because they were previously married and have children from previous marriages or relationships. And you say that your spouse comes first before the children. That's usually a no-no. But that's also usually indication to me one of the greatest hurdles and, pof- and possibly the kryptonite that's going to be in their relationship or their marriage, right? So what I'm saying to you, growing families also is an off-ramp to connection. Busyness, starting your career, launching that job, getting the promotion, chasing the ladder. That's why for people like Flowers and myself, Our aim is to, although the church grows and although we have ministry to pour into your lives, we have a family that we choose to make sure never feels like a mistress. Because we want to make sure that we cover them in ways that we've seen and patterns that we've seen in others mess up. Busyness. There is no promotion. There is no amount of money. There is no open door that is so fancy that will make me force my family to take a back seat. But that has to be taught. Somebody say unlearn that. That has to be taught because I wasn't taught that. I had to unlearn chasing the bag at the expense of your rib at the expense of your legacies. Never that important. So this is why we have to sit down and have a conversation because you have to know that disconnection or connection is the first thing to leave when it comes to falling out of love. And because it's the first thing to leave, it's usually because of growing families. It's usually because of busyness. It's usually because of taste buds changing. No one told you that emotionally you're going to evolve, that intellectually you're going to change, you're going to mature. No one told you that spiritually you're going to grow. And as a result, your worldview might begin to look different. As a result, your mindset and your perspectives might begin to look different. And you have to consider that. You're going to become a different you. Your spouse is going to evolve and change. But if you haven't been taught staying power, not forcing power, but staying power, not forcing, not manipulating anyone. Just if you haven't been taught to stay and to choose the other person. I know someone has already said it takes two. Hear what I'm saying. I'm talking to one person, which means I'm talking to both persons. Man and woman, husband and wife future wife, future husband, even in your singleness, like your wife is going, if she has a child, her body is going to change. 
And if you're taught to only look and seek and to search for a Coke bottle, what happens when that Coke bottle looks a little different? You have to choose to remain in love. It's a, it's a, it's a, it should be happy to choose your partner, choosing them. But when it comes to busyness, when it comes to your taste buds changing, and many times when the taste buds change, many times when the family grows, then what ends up happening is connection walks out of the door. And when connection walks out of the door, commitment follows right after it. Busyness, growing families, taste buds changing, selfishness, selfishness, selfishness is a leading cause to your disconnection. Many times, infidelity happens after the connection walked out the door. Other times, I'm coming, I'm coming to your street. Other times infidelity happens because of the fifth reason, unhealed wounds. No matter how good of a woman you are, no matter how good of a man you are, no matter how you provide, no matter how you serve, no matter how you, what you do, the other person is wired and hotwired to cheat because they never practice abstinence until like they, 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 they never like all they have seen and all they have known is multiple women, multiple men. Like they've never seen up close what it means to to be monogamous. And so now that they get married, it's a very hard thing to practice. What am I saying to you? I'm saying this to you. Disconnection is something that you can't overlook. So that's why you have to make a conscious decision to connect with your partner. And that itself is where the work happens. Because now I'm going to move out of the way what I learned. I'm going to unlearn what I learned in my childhood, that it just happens automatically. And the person, you must always be happy. You must always feel good. Love must all. No, sometimes you don't feel like it, but you still choose it. You still show up because that matters more than anything. So let me, let me, let me share this with you. You have trauma bonding, right? You have disconnection. Connection walks out of the door. Commitment follows after it. And now you're two people who are still in the covenant, but you're really not in love with one another. Or you're two people still in the covenant and one person already left emotionally, right? I can tell you, I know what it's like. I know what it's like to be in a covenant with someone and me, Isaac Curry, be emotionally not there. Because many times he will check out before he checks out. She will too. And that is because the connection. No one told me. How do you remain connected to someone? Dying to flesh? And as a kingdom, 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 crucifying your flesh is one of the hardest and necessary things you will ever have to do. 
because it keeps you humble. It keeps you in the presence of God. And crucifying the flesh through fasting and prayer will allow God to show you you. And that's why you need someone. You need to be partnered with someone that you're not just fueled by the, the trauma or the wounds. And you're, you're not just chasing an image. But I need someone who also has their own relationship with God. A personal relationship with Jesus Christ. You believe in who Jesus is and you have an active relationship because then I know that we too both can learn to practice to crucify our flesh. Let me give this to you. If it's trauma bonding disconnection, then it's codependent behavior. And I'm going to tell you about codependency. Codependency is, I'll, I'll use me as an example of one of the greater things that I experienced in my, my maturity was that I plagued, and for many of you who have walked with me, I plagued my life. My life was plagued because of codependent behavior. And I didn't know it. The same thing that attracted me is the same thing that depleted me. Codependent behavior is when you become dependent on the other person's this and it doesn't have to be two people like both people don't have to be codependent for one person to be codependent many times there is a codependent person there is a host that allows that person to be codependent and many times there's two people who are codependent they depend on the other other person it's very similar to trauma bonding but it's also different and this one is one of those things that is very hard to detect right but for me I had to confess that how I pursued relationships, how I chose women growing up, leaving home as a young adult, becoming an adult, and having a revolving door of relationships was that I was always attracted to her problem. Now we don't, it doesn't have to be trauma. She can have, if she has a problem big enough that she can't handle that is stressing her, whether it's in her life, around her life, if it's trauma or if it's a need, I find my value in the ability to help fix her, to help fix her situation. And usually I would not be attracted to a woman who does not have a problem to be fixed. And that in and of itself is codependent behavior because I become attracted to the other person's problem. And my value in this relationship is depending on being a firefighter. And so what happens then in that relationship is one of a couple of things. What happens when there's no longer a problem to solve? And what happens when I am now tired because the thing that drew me to you is now the thing that is completely draining me and you're not the problem. It's my attraction that I don't get under control. It's my unhealed wounds that are leading me. And codependency can get very, very funky. And when you have two people who are codependent, it's 
Dr. Jekyll, Mr. Hyde. It's we're great, we're not great. We're great, we're not great. We're great, we're not great. And it's always, always, always the same thing and never really growing. We're just going in circles. And at some point, that codependent behavior will push connection out of the door. And again, when connection leaves, what happens? Commitment follows. So I sit down, I converse, I Zoom, I coach. And then I ask people, tell me about your home and where you grew up. And usually those who are codependent will say something like, I had to become an adult quicker than the average child, or I had to take care of someone, usually my parent, who was either disabled, was unable, was was had some heavy trauma or any, it could be anything. Some things you, you, you can look at a certain way, other things you may not, but they had to take on other responsibilities so that they were deprived of a childhood, a normal childhood. They either had to be the parent to their sibling, their younger sibling, or they had to be the parent to their parent, or they had to support or they had to stand in the gap in a way that forced them to live and mature quicker than they really should have. And so they leave home, right? And you replicate that same behavior. You're always doing for the other person. You're always showing up for the other person. You're always sacrificing. And then you find that you start seeking after all the things that you saw in your childhood. But you don't realize, Isaac, that that's not necessarily healthy. We fell out of love. A good reason why you perhaps fell out of love is because you were never taught how to remain in love. I was looking at, um, I think it was 2 Samuel chapter 13. It's a different context, but if we change some of the context and, and, and kind of make it modern, you'll see how sometimes even trauma, trauma bonding can, can work. Um, 2 Samuel 13, you have Amnon, A-M-N-O-N, right? He was attracted to his half-sister, Tamar. And so if you read in verse 2, because I want to give this to you, it says, Amnon was so distressed over his sister Tamar, right, um, that he became sick for she was a virgin. And it was improper for Amnon to do anything to her. But Amnon had a friend whose name was Jonadab, the son of Shemir, David's brother. Now, Jonadab was a very crafty man. And he said to him, why are you the king's son becoming thinner day after day? Will you not tell me? And Amnon said, I love Tamar. Is that really love? my brother Absalom's sister. So Jonadab said, lie down on your bed and pretend to be ill. And when your father comes in to see you, say to him, please let my sister Tamar come and give me food and prepare the food in my sight that I may see and eat it from her hand. And then that transpires. 
and he sexually abuses, he takes advantage, he rapes, you know, his half-sister. And then when he does that, he looks at her the next day and is no longer in love with her. And many times, if you allow your unhealed self lead, you will think that that attraction is love and it's not. That's your trauma fueling you. And then you engage or you get the person, the woman, the man that you feel like you desire, you get together, then all of a sudden your whole perspective changes and it shifts and you no longer want to be in that relationship. And got nothing to do with the other person and everything to do with you. And your need to unlearn, your need to heal so that when you enter into that covenant, you're not harming and hurting everybody else who comes in contact with you. We fell out of love. Well, how about we change that narrative and we learn how to remain in love without forcing love and without being manipulative. Lord, we thank you for this time together. I pray, God, that what has been shared is helpful. Help us to take this. And Lord, I pray that we're able to apply these things in our lives today. Go before me, go behind me, and bless every hearer who listens to this message. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Peace. You'll be seeing um, Pastor Flowers the next two Thursdays. Talk to you soon.